0: You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Before we get to Mark chapter 10, I wanna go right back to the beginning because we're 10 chapters in now, so it's a good chance to go right back to the beginning and remind us where we've come from. Like, why was this book written in the first place? And Mark 1.1, the very first sentence of this book, tells us why or what this whole book is all about. Look what Mark 1.1 says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. You see, Mark says this isn't about some good, guy, you know, good man who lived a long time ago. This isn't about some kind of good teacher, you know. No, he's, he's claiming that he is writing a book about this guy named Jesus who is the Son of God. He's claiming that, that this guy is the Son of God. And we've seen over the last nine chapters, Jesus healed the blind, the paralyzed, the demon-possessed. We've seen him raise the dead. We've seen, we've heard him teach Uh, with amazing wisdom, stand up to religious authorities and tell them what's what. Uh, We've heard the Father, uh, God the Father, testify twice from heaven, this is my son. And we've even heard demons cry out, you are the holy one of God, Jesus. And so Mark is saying, he's building this case. He wants you to see Jesus is the son of God. He's not just a good man. He's not uh, just a good teacher. And this morning, you might be, like, on the fence still about that. You might not be convinced yet that Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're listening in. And that's what I would just encourage you to do. Listen in to what Mark has to say, what Mark is writing about. Listen in. You know, you might have heard all sorts of things out there about what people say about who Jesus was. But listen to Mark himself. Listen to what Jesus says here. And make an assessment for yourself. So we're in Mark chapter 10, and at this point in his ministry, Jesus, he is famous, okay? Everywhere he goes, crowds gather, people want to be near him, people want time with him, and when you're famous, you kind of have to choose, right? You have to choose who you hang out with, how you use your time. I've only met one really famous person in my life. I was in high school, Uh, my friend and I were at John Wayne Airport, we are standing at the curb waiting to get picked up, and uh, this long-stretched limo pulls up, right? And it's blacked-out windows, the kind of high-gloss black that you can see your reflection in. It pulls up, and we're like, wow, there are so many super-famous in this car, right? And so, sure enough, the door opens, and guess who pops out? Richard Simmons. <laughs> yep. Yep, the king of fitness himself and the short shorts and the big hair and the big smile just jumps right out of the limo. Yeah, by this point, and this point too, he was, he was super famous at this point. Like, he had, he had uh, gone on his own weight loss journey, which had led him to open up a gym called Slimmons. Yep, not making that up. And uh, then he, made, he started filming videos like Sweating to the Oldies, which went viral, And uh, before you know it, he was a gazillionaire. His face was everywhere. He was on TV shows everywhere. And so you'd think, like, he's so famous at this point, and he's jumping out of the limo that he'd have an entourage around him. He'd put some shades on, a trench coat on, and then he'd be, like, out to the private jet and fly off. It's not what happened at all, actually. He gets out of the limo, and he sees two little skinny high school kids, and he comes over, and he starts a conversation with us. Yeah, we got to shoot the breeze with Richard Simmons. <laughs> yep, and it was as awesome and as weird as you can imagine. I can't really remember all the conversation because I was kind of shocked, but I remember the one thing, one thing he said. He was looking up at my friend who was like well over six foot, and Richard Simmons is not six foot. Um, and he looks up at my friend and says, You're tall, you should be a doctor. Yep, yep. But it was so cool to shoot the breeze with Richard Simmons. I mean, he had time for us, it was awesome. But come to find out, that's how he was. This guy, he was known for spending all day on the phone with people who had bought his videos, talking to them about their problems, helping them, listening to them. I mean, you don't become rich and famous to spend all day on the phone. And that's what he did, it was super awesome. But how about Jesus? I mean, Jesus at this point is super famous. Who does he spend time with? Who does he shoot the breeze with? And we jump right in as he enters a new town here in Mark chapter 10, where that has to be figured out. That has to be decided. Look at verse 13, chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. You see, Jesus turns up in a new town, and everybody hears the holy man's here, and they grab their favorite kid, and they drag him over to Jesus and say, bless him, would you bless my kid? You know? And the disciples are like, wait, no, keep him away. He's the son of God. He doesn't have time for your snotty-nosed diaper wearers, you know? He's way too important for that. But look how Jesus responds in verse 14. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He's furious. He can't believe what the disciples are doing. He loves kids. Jesus tells them, look what he says. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So he rebukes his disciples right back. Let, and the disciples relent, let the children go to him. And Jesus doesn't just like, go, oh, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, you know? Here's what he does. Look at this, verse 16. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Isn't that awesome? Like he intentionally, one by one, took each child in his arms, spent time with them, prayed over them. This might have taken an hour. It might have taken several hours. I don't know. But Jesus loved every minute of it. And I'm sure the families did too. But as he often did, Jesus seized this opportunity to teach his disciples a lesson. He wanted to make sure that something was very clear to them. Not just that he highly valued children, but that only people who are childlike will be in his kingdom. Look what he says in verse 15. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You see, to hang with him in his kingdom, Jesus says you have to be childlike. You have to have a completely trusting, humble heart, a heart that wants to hang with him. Uh, I'm an early bird riser, so I'll, I, I never, oh, I'll hardly ever have to set an alarm. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. I just wake up early in the morning, and so I'll often be downstairs in the morning on the couch reading, doing whatever, and, and uh, just I enjoy the actually the peace and the quiet um, of the early morning. My son Ezra, who's 10, he's always also been an early riser. And so for years now, he'll come down early in the morning, you know, and uh, I'll hear his his steps coming down the steps, and uh, he'll come around the couch and he'll come sit up next to me, and if I have a blanket on, he'll get under the blanket, and then he'll take my arm and i will put it around him, and he'll snuggle up into me, and we'll just sit there and chat for like 15, 20 minutes, just talk about different things, laugh a little, just... We just have this cool one-on-one time. It's the sweetest thing. Um, I'm gonna miss it when he grows out of that, you know? But that's the, exactly the kind of heart that Jesus is talking about right here. This childlike heart, trustful, humble, wants to draw close to him. Ezra trusts me. He loves me. He wants to be close to me. And that's how Jesus wants our hearts to be for him. And for those that will have childlike hearts, they get to hang with him now and forever. You see, he might be the most famous person in history, but he loves you and he wants to hang with you. And all you need to do is simply receive that gift like a child. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, no matter how insignificant you feel, All you need to do is receive it like a child. It's simple. But let's get real for a minute, right? Because, I mean, how often do we take Jesus up on this offer to hang with him? How often are we like Ezra with our heavenly father? You know, I think what we do more often is we doorbell ditch God. Anybody remember doorbell ditching as a kid? I mean, those were the days when people actually answered the doorbell. Um, but, you know, you'd run up to the door, you'd ring the doorbell, and then you'd run and hide in a bush somewhere, and you'd watch as the person comes to the door, opens it up, and, like, where'd they go, you know? But, it, but we do the same thing with God, right? He's, we're, he's like, we go to him in prayer, and he's like, oh, cool, they want to hang out. So he comes to the door, and we're like, God, hey, um, how are you doing, God? Or like, hey, God, good morning. And then he opens up the door, but we're gone. He's like, I wanted to hang out with them, but we're already off doing our own thing. Why? Because we're big and we got this, God. We don't need to talk to you. We don't need to spend more time with you. We don't need to hang up or hang out. See, this is, but this is not about having time, right? We got time for all sorts of useless things. You know what we don't have? Childlike this humility. We think we've got it. You see, for all its simplicity, being childlike isn't easy. It's kind of like the Google search bar. You know, you got this little bar. It's the simplest thing in the world. You type some kind of question or phrase or word in there, and you hit enter, and a billion results show up in less than a second, and it's like amazing. It's simple. And yet you know behind that there's a myriad of algorithms and lines of codes and hardware and all sorts of things making that possible. It's very complex. It's simple, but it's not easy. And being in God's kingdom is very similar. It's as simple as coming as a child, but it's not easy. And just in case we think it's easy, the very next story in Mark shows that it can be very hard. Look at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is a great question to ask Jesus. It's like, I mean, extra credit there. Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy, I've kept them all. I mean, Jesus and, and we know he, this guy's in severe denial, you know, but still, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. See, the guy wanted to hang with Jesus. He wanted eternal life, but he walks away. He walked away from treasure in heaven because he loved his earthly treasure more. Do you know how ridiculous that is? I was trying to think, like, how could I illustrate how ridiculous it is to walk away from forever, eternal life, from eternal riches for earthly treasure? And I kind of thought about sand you know, I've got a bucket full of sand here. And I mean, just imagine that this guy's life, you know, maybe he has $10 million in the bank. You know, I'll give him that. Say he's 20, maybe he has 50 more years of life left. Okay, so he's got 10 million in the bank. He's got 50 years left to live. Hey, it's pretty good, right? It's pretty, right? That's pretty cool. But that's, in the light of eternity, I mean, you could just call that one grain of sand. Just one grain of sand. And I wanted to put a beach up here, but they wouldn't let me. Um, but, I mean, eternity with Jesus is a lot of grains of sand. I mean, a lot of 50 years and a lot of $10 million. Like, I mean, this guy is walking away from eternity with Jesus because he loves his one little grain of sand. There's are approximately one million grains of sand right here. And... This is only just the beginning of eternal life with Jesus forever and ever and ever, enjoying him forever, and yet he walks away because of his one little grain of sand. Do you see how stubborn our hearts can be, how wrapped up in something so tightly that to have childlike trust, that trust Jesus with our all is so very hard. So the man walks away sad. Look what Jesus responds. Jesus looked around, verse 23, and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God The disciples, it says, were amazed at his words. You see, they're thinking if anybody is in the kingdom, it's this guy. He's rich, he's religious, he's powerful. You can imagine he's a hard worker from a good family, he's an upstanding citizen in the community. I mean, he has it all together. Surely this guy is blessed by God. I mean, TV preachers would use him as a poster boy for health and wealth and all of the stuff that you get by being blessed by God. This guy, surely he's in the kingdom. Surely, Jesus, you're wrong. But just so they get it clear that Jesus meant what he was saying, he says it again, verse 24. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. How hard. And notice he calls them children. He's not diminishing them there. He's reminding them of what he said earlier, that in order to be in the kingdom, you have to have a childlike trust to give your all like a child. It's that simple, and it's that hard. For those on the outside, for the outcast, it's easier, but for the rich, the ones on the inside, the have-it-all-togethers, the powerful, the educated, the talented, the successful, it's hard. Why? It's not because Jesus doesn't have time for them. It's because they don't have time for Jesus. They're wrapped up in their little grain of sand They're so little precious grain of sand. They're self-reliant, independent, comfortable, and far too sophisticated to cling to Jesus like a child. Here's the thing, though. For all his riches, this young man in this story knew something wasn't right. As much as he had it all together, he knew something was missing, that he was missing out on something. As the great theologian Bono would say, he still hasn't found what he's looking for. And maybe you're feeling the same way here this morning. Maybe your bank account is full and your heart is empty. Maybe people think you have it all together, but inside you're falling apart. Maybe you're a good person, but you still know it's not enough. There's a reason that none of those things work because the hole in our heart is God-sized. It's eternity-sized. And there's nothing in this world that can fill it. Only God. You know, we might have our grain of sand. We might have 15 grains of sand. We got our career and our money, and we got our kids, and we got our cabin and our boat, I don't know. You got 15, oh wow, you got 15 grains of sand? Wow, you know, but it still won't fill up the God sized hole in your heart. But we stubbornly hold on to those grains rather than trusting Him like a child. So, for this rich young man, Jesus knew the only way forward for him was to root out his riches. It's not what Jesus says to everyone. There's plenty of rich people who follow Jesus who haven't sold everything they have. You see, just like a parent, if they're smart, they don't raise every child in the same manner. Jesus knows each of our hearts. He knows what's in the way of us coming to him. It could be all manners of things that he says to us. Let go and trust me like a child. But the rich man couldn't do it. He walked away sad. And all of this was shocking to the disciples. Look at verse 26, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? I mean, this is sounding impossible. And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. You see, Jesus says that this kind of heart change, this kind of heart change where you relinquish the grain of sand it takes an absolute miracle. It takes a touch of God. We cannot do this on our own. See, maybe you see things in your life, things you're holding to, things that are preventing you from drawing close to God like a child, and they're hard to give up. And you face a choice. You can either walk away sad Or you can cry out to God and ask him to do what's impossible for us to do. You could pray, God, my heart is a tangled mess with all this stuff. Help me, root it out, do your work, God. Whatever it takes, I want you. I'm tired of trying to have it all together, but not having you. There are many in this room Myself included who've prayed a prayer just like that. And we've seen God untangle the mess of our hearts, pry open our hands to relinquish the grain of sand, and change our hearts to a childlike trust. Not a fun process, often painful, but there's this beautiful, trusting, childlike relationship with him on the other side. Maybe you're ready to pray a prayer like that this morning, to, t- to ask him to take that grain so that you might have more of him. You know, God might be knocking on the door of your heart. You know it, you feel it, but you're terrified. To give him your all? What if he doesn't come through? What if he lets you down? That's exactly what the disciples feared. Look at verse 28. Then Peter spoke up. We've left everything to follow you, and you see that exclamation point right there? That's a freak out exclamation point. He's freaked out. We're trusting you with everything, Jesus. What if this is all a sham? What if you don't come through for us? What if we're left destitute? Da-da-da. Like, what if we're not saved? Hold your horses, Jesus says. Verse 29. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one, who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see, there is no one, Jesus says, no one, not a single one who trust Jesus with their lives, who give their all to follow him, who relinquish the grains of sand, who will be able to say that he did not come through for them. In this present age, here and now, and in the life to come, yes, he says there'll be persecutions, yes, trials, yes, suffering, but there is not one child of God who he will let down. You see, to bring it all together at this point, We give our all because in Jesus we have it all. We give our all because in Jesus we have it all. See, Jesus calls us to give him our all, to trust him like a child, to relinquish our grain of sand, and to trust him that we have it all in him. And we know we can trust him because Jesus took the lead in giving his all. You see, for us to have it all in him, it took him giving his all. That's, what he, that's why he tells the disciples right here in Mark, right here in this next verse, for the third time in Mark, that he will suffer and die. Look at verse 32. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was gonna happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They'll hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. You see, if you wonder if Jesus will come through for you, if you wonder how much he loves you, if you fear that the Son of God is far too busy, far too famous to to stoop to your level, to speak with you, to touch you, to change you, to have a relationship with you, you need to stay in these verses for a while. Because to deliver you, he was delivered over to his enemies. To declare you not guilty, he was condemned. To silence the devil's mocking, he was mocked and spit at. To save your soul from death, he embraced a grueling death and to raise you up from the grave, he rose again in victory. And if he went through all that for you, what would he hold back? What would he hold back? This is exactly why we trust him like a child. Why we as followers, we give our all, because in Jesus, we have it all. Now, the disciples, at this point, they're starting to get what Jesus is talking about, that they're children of God, that they're kind of special. And you can imagine, you know, all this fame that Jesus has, they're kind of getting brushed off onto them, like everybody's wanting to talk to them too, like you're with him Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty cool, you know. And I know that they're starting to get kind of big in the head because of what happens next. Look what James and John, two of Jesus' disciples do. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can you say entitled children? (laughs) Verse 36, I love this. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. I love that that even in their demanding entitlement, Jesus is still willing to listen and serve. He's asking them, what can I do for you? And that's actually one of Jesus' favorite questions. He asked it again in chapter 10 later on. But it's pretty shocking what they asked Jesus. Check it out, verse 37. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Okay, so remember, he's just talked about his torture and death. Talk about inappropriate timing. I mean, he's talking about death, and they're thinking about thrones, either side of Jesus. But look where Jesus takes this, verse 38. You don't know what you're asking. Yeah. (laughs) Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? He's talking about his suffering here. We can, they answered. They're delusional. Uh, Jesus said to them, well, you will. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. The other disciples, they're ticked. And it's because they didn't think of it first of asking Jesus to sit in glory. But before this turns into a brawl, Jesus calls an audible, verse 42, look what he says. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, we've probably all experienced those in power and leadership using that influence for their own good and to keep those under them in their place. But for those in the kingdom of God, it's different. The greatest are the servants, the first or the last. See, if you're a business owner, or an employer, a, a, employer, a supervisor, and you wanna be a great leader, pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. This is the greatest statement of leadership ever. He's saying that positions and titles are simply a chance to stoop, lower, and serve. That true leaders ask what Jesus asks, what can I do for you? And when we get that, we will lead so much better. But this isn't just for leaders. This is for all who claim to be disciples of Jesus. To all who would say, I'm a child of God. Jesus says, don't be entitled children. Just like I used my position to be a servant of all, so you should too. You see, the children of God can't say I'm too important to hang with children. The children of God can't say, I'm too busy to spend my time helping the needy. I'm too popular to risk my reputation to be associated with them. You see, the greatest in the kingdom get that we give our all because in Jesus, we have it all. You know, looking back through all these stories that we've covered this morning, you see that Jesus has been teaching the exact same point. See, with children in his arms, he calls us to give him our all with a childlike trust for only only those like that will hang with him forever. With the rich young ruler, he showed us that even though that's a simple concept, it's hard to give our all. But with God, we can do it and no one who does will ever be let down. By predicting his death again, he shows us that he gave us all so we can trust him with our all. And by correcting James and John, he shows us that the greatest are the ones who give their all in service of others because they understand they have it all in him. That we should be just like Jesus and ask others, what can I do for you? You see, as Jesus followers, we give our all. Because in him we have it all. You know, each week we give you three ways you can apply the message to your own life. Uh, we call it the tag your it moment. And this week I encourage you to read Mark 10. Uh, you this is awesome. I want you to read it through again. See what God says to you through this. If you're part of our Bible reading plan, you'll get the reminder each day. If you haven't joined that, you can go to crossroadsgrace.org Mark and sign up there. You'll get five texts a week um, as we go through the rest of Mark. I encourage you to ask God, what's my grain of sand? Is there something in my heart that's holding me back from childlike trust with you? And don't doorbell ditch him when you ask him that question. <laughs> Stay and listen. See what he says. Hang with him. And then finally you might ask your one this week, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Mimic your savior and ask the questions that he loved to ask. You know, I don't know where Richard Simmons discovered the fulfillment of helping people. I don't know how he realized that for all his riches, the greatest use of his time was spending hours on the phone with the most outcast of society. I don't know if he knows Jesus or not, but however he stumbled on it, he discovered the wisdom of what Jesus is saying right here, that the greatest is the servant of all. And we know that because that is what the greatest one did. That is what the Son of God did. He held the highest position as King of heaven, and to serve us, he went to the lowest place in death so that we could be with him forever. Remember what it said back in Mark chapter one, verse one, it said, the good news, we can have that on the screen, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. Why was it called good news? It was good news because Jesus didn't consider being the son of God, a position of power and authority to boss us around. He didn't say, you better clean up to get to me. He didn't say, I'm too important or too famous to hang with you. He didn't hold on to any grain full or beach full of sand as more important than you. In fact, he did just the opposite. He left everything. He gave his all. He went to a cross so that all who believe in him, who receive him as a child, will inherit eternal life. And that's what we remember and celebrate each week in communion, that Jesus is the greatest because he came to serve us all that we might be with him now and forever. So as we prepare our hearts to celebrate communion, to remember that, let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you that You sent your son to save us. That he, thank you, Jesus, that you did not consider heaven your place to stay, that you were too important or too famous to hang out with us, but you left everything to come and be with us, to save us, to go to the lowest point in death to save us. Lord, I pray you would search our hearts this morning. Even now, speak to each one of us, Lord, What are we holding on to instead of holding on to you? Where are we putting grains of sand above treasure in you? Search our hearts and show us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.